Hi, beautiful people, and welcome to the Mojo Mecca podcast, a hub for the exploration of ritual, poetry, plants, and purpose. We are here for the deepening of our relationship to the earth, for the love of living in a sustainable way, for the creation of a global network of minxes seeking more mojo, for vulnerability, for thriving, and for joy. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. Now let's dive into today's conversation. So in this conversation, I'm speaking to the radiant, earthy, beautiful woman that is Lucette, beautiful, beautiful sister of mine. You probably know her online as Lucette Romy on Instagram. So she is the creatress of a sustainable, ethically made clothing and lifestyle label and movement also called The Wild. So we dive into her whole ethos behind this brand, her creation process, the power of slow fashion and natural fabrics for our environmental footprint and also for our health. And we go deeply into Lucette's relationship with health and her skin especially and she shares really vulnerably about her struggles with acne and ways that she's helped to heal the physical and emotional aspects of this along her journey. And also a big part of our conversation goes into social media and her journey with putting herself out there online and just the whole all-consuming, pressured, unhealthy sort of influencer or model image and kind of the darker underbelly of um, the social media marketing beast that it is. So we go really deeply into um, her journey through that. And then also how she's really come out of that and dropped into sharing her most real, authentic essence and artistic expression and allowing the space to be a representation of that aspect of her, her real, real self. So yeah, this was a really beautiful conversation and I hope you'll receive just as much from it as I did. Um, and yeah, enjoy. So I grew up in Sydney, Australia, but it's really interesting because a lot of people don't actually know that I was born in Vail, Colorado. And I only lived there till I was five and it was so amazing. I just remember like literally the picturesque childhood of jumping into huge piles of autumn leaves and running around and tobogganing in the snow. And it was such a special time of my life. And I wish I had been back there since I left. It's definitely on the bucket list, but it completely completely shaped how I react with nature, I think. Um, it was interesting because after I left there, I'd, I'd never really spent that much time at the beach. And, and then I moved to a beach town in Sydney. And so I think that really then, you know, it really sculpted the person that I am today because I could not live away from the ocean. The ocean is just so special to me. And I guess for the last five and a half years, that's why I've been so drawn to living in Bali also because the tropical climate is just one of my favorite things ever. But growing up, um, my mom and I loved creating our own clothing. 
and we would go every single year we would go into this store called Lincraft and we'd go and buy materials and she had this sewing machine that we had when I lived in Vail and she brought it with her to Australia and it still has like this dodgy weird US adapter and we can plug it into the Australian outlet and just hope that nothing exploded and we'd buy all these beautiful fabrics and all of these amazing patterns and every year I'd love making all of my own clothes and I remember learning how to knit as well and every single year I would knit these amazing scarves and I tried to make clothes and knit clothes but that was just completely out of my depth I couldn't quite understand the patterning side of that but it was super beautiful and I guess now I found myself living in Bali and I didn't have access to a sewing machine so it became this process of me wanting to create clothes and finding this incredible tailor in Bali and working with him I was designing a lot of my own stuff and just pieces that I wanted to wear because I wasn't seeing it anywhere else and I was getting so many compliments from others and saying like what are you wearing who are you dressed by like where can I get it and eventually I just ended up making pieces for a few of my friends and I then really developed into this idea of me starting a business out of it because there was a lot of uh there was a lot of really positive reactions and I knew that there was definitely a gap in the market for something that was more sustainable and eco-friendly than what I was seeing within Australia especially so once I started that um it just kind of snowballed from there and I've learned so much in the last two years about sustainable fashion and and the different choices that we can make but it it's not something that I would ever turn back now from because I in that period of time have done so much research and realized how devastating the effects of the fast fashion industry can be on the earth and how it affects humans even and the things that we wear are polluting our skin and they're polluting the planet so yeah I I guess sustainable fashion is the only way but we just everybody has a different opinion of it and I think it's just educating others so that they know what their options are and then however that fits into their life and how they want to take it on board is really really important I really want to make sure that people are aware that there are options available for them so yeah mm, amazing and what's some of the response been so far that you've had from people who have yeah because it, it is a consciousness shift right to like for us to um i guess invest more in pieces that are sustainable because usually I guess it's the same with like the organic food and this sort of thing. Like there is a kind of like higher price point. And so there's like that decision that needs to be made where people like do really see the value of it and like want to invest in that. Um, have you had like response in that sort of way of people like really having a, a whole shift in like ideals and like consciousness around fashion? through the wild yeah completely it's it's really interesting actually because when you go into a store and you see expensive food there's like this assumption that oh it's expensive it must be good 
But it's really interesting with fashion because people are so used to having fast fashion and pieces that are on trend in fast fashion. There's no knowledge behind where it comes from or how the workers were treated or like what chemicals or fabrics or dyes were used. And I mean, I wouldn't consider my, my pieces to be, um, you know, excessively priced or anything like that. But I do, I do get quite a lot of people email or DM me or even comment on my post saying, but why is it so expensive? And it's this really interesting thing to see because the reason why it is priced the way it is, is because I'm using raw and untreated materials or I'm using completely 100% organic hand woven cotton. And I'm also dyeing everything with plants. So there's no harsh chemicals going onto your skin. It's, it's not polluting the environment. And there's this really interesting like thing in my brain where I'm trying to understand how to make that make more sense to people because you know, everybody knows that the skin is the largest organ of the body and we're so careful now what we're putting on our skin, but no one's really thinking about the impact of the clothing that they're wearing and how that affects their skin and their body. And if you're wearing something that has heavy chemicals in it or dyes and the fabric's made out of polyester, which is plastic, a PET, then you're actually absorbing those toxic substances into your skin. So I think that the price point needs to be considered definitely for all of those reasons as as well as, you know, how the staff are being treated because we have, you know, so many documentaries and books available to us for the resources to see how the staff are being treated in third world countries where they're actually making the clothes that people are wearing on their backs and they're getting paid no more than like, it's something crazy, like no more than $2 a day and, and sometimes even less in places. And that's just devastating like to think about. And sometimes it almost shocks me when people say, but it's so expensive. And I'm like, but it's not really that expensive when you think about the love that goes into it and the fact that my staff are actually paid a decent living wage. They're paid a very great living wage actually. And they all take all of their holidays. They all get dedicated one hour break lunchtime, which is almost unheard of in factories in third world countries. They don't even get breaks. They work sometimes for 16 hours a day. And I think that the way that people have started looking at food and the nature of food being organic and that being important for the inside of their body, they also need to think about the way that organic clothing and sustainably produced clothing is really important for your body too because as much as what we put inside we also need to reflect that on the outside and there's a lot of harsh petrochemicals in clothing that people don't even consider and it's it's really interesting that people aren't aware of that but I guess that's part of my job is to bring the education forward so yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it is just like that awareness, you know. And it is of course like there are so many more labels out there now that have that um sustainable focus and it's becoming more and more like trendy also, which is awesome, you know. 
um, to, to adorn yourself in that way. And it feels better too. Like you feel better supporting brands that have that, that essence um, behind them. Um, yeah. And I guess like the deeper you go, the deeper you go, like you've gone, like, you know, the more research you do, the more you can like really never stand for <laughs> like yeah, those sort of decisions that you used to make. You're like, Whoa, okay. Could never do that again. Yeah. So it just kind of rolls yeah. up from there. And I do, I do really see it as like a movement that's happening, of course, like with the food, every and all aspects of consciousness I guess um and spirituality if you want to call it that but it's just like it has to bleed out into like every area of our lives we can't have like blind spots you know I mean of course there's always going to be like little compromises that you have to make in different situations but like for the main things I think it's good for us to just be really conscious of what we're like consuming (laughs) yeah definitely and it is, it's, it's so true. There are so many incredible labels doing the most amazing work within sustainable fashion and slow fashion. And it's so inspiring for me, especially to look at other people. And I would never be the type to be like, oh, those people are my competitors because obviously I want that message to be available to everyone. And, and some people might not like the things that I produce, but they might like designs that another person produces that are sustainable. And so either way, like it's supporting the planet and their immune systems. And it's, it's a really like beautiful movement to be part of. And yeah, as you said, like however we want to label it within spirituality and like the sustainability community, whether it's food, clothes, like the plants that we're, eating and the uh, medicinal properties that we're consuming as well. It's all really important. I think there'll be blind spots. The other thing that's important for people to remember is not to be harsh on themselves. You know, like sometimes, like you said, like sometimes we have to compromise. And I think that a lot of people, when they feel like they're not making the best decision, they get really down on themselves. But we're all just doing our best. And sometimes people might not have the awareness or the education or they're not conscious of the decisions that they're making and how that impacts them or the environment. But they're also just doing their best until they learn new ways or they adapt new ways. And it's just important. It's so important to be gentle with yourself in the process. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I would love to hear what... I guess the the ethos or the like message or the medicine, I guess, of like what the wild is and also how you came to that name and how the name came through for you and, and then kind of how you built like, yeah, I guess the whole vibe around it and the movement around it of what you're creating with like the wild, wild woman, like what, what that means to you yeah I'm the wild woman it's actually really interesting I guess I'll start with how the brand name came about I um a lot of people don't know this about me as well but my surname uh seems to be Romy um if you follow me on Instagram my username is Lucette Romy and I've had some some really funny things happen in my life where people have been just assumption that my surname is Romy, but it's actually West. And 
I really, really wanted to name one of my children wild. And my mom just laughed at me because she was like, well, if they don't take their father's surname for whatever reason, she was like, you do realize that your child's name will be wild West. And I just, <laughs> I was like, that's great. I should definitely name my child wild now. Um, I kind of like that. <laughs> it's so cool. Huh? <laughs> um, but it, it, it really didn't start as the wild. Um, before I even had the idea of like making the wild, I was planning on doing a line of um, organic skincare and it was going to be very, very simple. And the reason that one of my key pieces for the wild is the kimono is because with the skincare brand, it was a lot of bath products and I wanted to include like a bathrobe. And I had designed the kimono to be worn as the bathrobe. And so at the time, there was a lot of different things that changed. The reason why I did that, um, I sorry, the reason why I didn't do the skincare and I ended up moving into doing uh, my brand. But in the process, the brand name changed from Seraphie Salt, which was my uh, grandma's middle name. And it moved to the wild because... I really couldn't think of a name that I loved more than what I wanted to name my child. And I was like, well, the brand will be my child. So it makes sense to name it after what I always dreamed of. So it came that way. Did you see like the name spelt in that way when you thought about it for your child? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, I never thought of it with an I for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think like with the why it just had, I don't even know. It was just such an interesting, like intuitive thing. I just wanted to write it with the why. And I, I can't even, yeah, I don't even, can't even pinpoint why I did that. But yeah, I always envisioned it spelt that way. And it just felt really, really natural to me. Mm. But then from there, I think one of the, most interesting questions that I get from people is, oh, you must have been so inspired by like the, the book, The Women Who Run With The Wolves. And it's interesting because I've, I've probably read the first, like the introduction or the, chap- the first chapter or something and then some random pages here and there, but I've never fully read that book. Even as much as I've been recommended it, I haven't had a chance to fully dissect it because there's so much information to take in. And I didn't even know about that book before I started the wild woman project. So when I started like pushing out the idea of what I wanted to create and being um, the wild woman, people were like, wow, you must have read Clarissa Pinkola Estes book. And I was like, Nope. (laughs) What is this book? (laughs) And yeah, what I have read of it, it's completely resonant with, what I want to create and there's so much power behind the feeling of like standing in the wild woman and everything that she writes like sometimes I'm just in tears in the bits that I've read and reread and reread because it really feels like home almost Mm -hmm. but um the wild really started like I said, because I was seeing that I, there was a gap in the market 
for me personally where I wasn't finding the clothing that I wanted to wear. I think I've always had a bit of an eclectic taste in fashion and the pieces that I was seeing weren't the pieces that I ever wanted to wear myself personally. And so when I started creating those and people were finding that they wanted to wear them too, I was like, well, if I like this, yeah, surely somewhere in the world there's got to be other people that love it too. And my first collection, I actually, I didn't do any colors. I just did white. And the reason for that was because I simply just couldn't find anyone that actually did a sustainable dye system that wasn't going to go back into any rivers or streams and pollute them in any way. And the factory that I work with in Bali that does my dyeing is so incredible. And I just remember the first time that I went there and I heard about them, I I cried for like half an hour because it was so beautiful and the work that they've put in, there's just no way that I wouldn't want to support that and make sure that they're the only people that are dyeing my, my pieces because there are a lot of different natural dye techniques, but what they do is just insane and there's so much possibility there and the the teachings that they're bringing to people are really incredible as well and I think the main ethos now behind well always behind the wild was to offer um, a collection of eco-conscious and sustainable pieces that were crafted from natural and raw materials and before you know, before the industrial revolution or anything like that, we never had access to the kinds of materials that are available to people now. And we lived off the land and, you know, the materials that we used were cotton and flax, which is known as linen. And everyone was just adorning themselves in the most beautiful, like, fabrics. And I, I cannot like dream of anything more than these beautiful like raw materials that they just feel so organic under the hand and it just feels like I'm I'm draped in the earth um and that's something that I really love and I think a lot of people are actually I feel like you resonate with that as well you're like oh yeah I just want to wear the earth that sounds great (laughs) for sure yeah yeah so yeah it's 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 been really interesting and making sure that what I'm doing is respectful of that and that I also follow a slow fashion approach because um, all of my shipping goes out of Australia but I create in Bali, Indonesia. Everything has to be sent to Australia so it's not it's there's no like high demand for it. I have a very, very small team of staff and they there's no way that I would ever rush them or make them work like exhausting hours per day. And they work a normal day, which might be eight or nine hours um, with an hour break. And they create uh, whatever I put in the order. And I know, I know what their limit is. And then that's also really great for me because it still keeps my, it keeps my brand with a slow fashion approach because I'm not over-consuming, I'm not over-producing pieces and I rarely ever have to put anything on sale because I'm, I'm creating to what the demand is and the consumer demand can sometimes be really high for people, which is why they move into the fast fashion um, world and that's just 
never something that I would want to go down because it's there's a lot of excess textiles that end up in landfill and discarded clothes and things that people don't think about when they start creating a brand, you know, and I, I want to make sure that everything that I do can be recycled in some way, or at least there's no discarded clothes. Like if, if anything becomes perhaps a faulty sample, which has never happened because my staff are so incredible and they've never created something that I've quality controlled and been like, Oh, this is terrible. Um, yeah, I would just make sure that the fabric is some way recycled. And that's why I ended up actually selling my scrunchies because I had all the offcuts and I was like, what can I do with this? What can I do with all of these offcuts? And so I started making all these scrunchies and I was just giving them to customers, to be honest. I was like, what do I do? I was like, oh, just gift them to everyone, like purchase an order. I'll send them a free scrunchie. And I, I started getting emails from people being like, can we buy more of the scrunchies and I was like oh I don't sell them that's like what oh maybe I should sell them <laughs> so yeah most of most of the scrunchies there's like very few that are actually produced just to sell but most of the scrunchies are actually made from all of the excess textiles that we use to make the clothing which is also really cool and then anything that's left over from that um usually my factory um uses the pieces as like rags and different things like that or they they'll sell them on to different people in the area to use as rags which is cool as well so it's going back into the community and they're not going in the trash which is important so mm -hmm. yeah amazing and so it just kind of like i hear you talk about it and it just feels so natural and effortless like the whole process of you creating the label but it must be like a lot of work right like having to just be like what does your day-to-day -day look like in terms of like yeah maintaining well I guess maybe now it's a bit more streamlined but in the beginning was it a lot of work to really like source the right places and make sure the quality was you know of of the highest standard for you and yeah, what did it look like in the beginning in terms of like getting it all up and running? Because it, it seems like it is, it would have been like a lot. Yeah, in the beginning was crazy because well, I already had my tailor who then is now my factory, but it was so funny because I would drive all around Denpasar and I was like looking at different textiles and fabrics of places and people were telling me like, no, don't use this one. It's more expensive. And I'm like, yeah, but that's good because it's organic. And they're like, yeah, but this one is only like $2. Whereas this one is $10. And I'm like, yes, but it's not organic. And I, I fully understand where you're coming from, but I can like factor the price into what I'm creating. It was, it was really hard at first because I did do a lot of sourcing and I wasn't really sometimes finding what I was after and so sometimes you get quite frustrated because you know if you're if I was in the US or Australia there's a lot of accessibility to these different things and in Bali sometimes it's just not available yet because you know we are a little bit slower to the uptake everything has to be imported and then there's a lot of fees that come into that as well with the import tax but I guess in the start compared to now, it's 
it's way more streamlined now. And I actually, I just went away for three months and I was in Hawaii and LA and I completely managed my business just from my WhatsApp, which is hilarious <laughs> because people would be like, don't you have a company that you need to run? And I'm like, I'm running it. Like I am digital nomad 101 right now. I am completely running my business from afar. And it was really interesting because I hadn't spent that much time away from Bali in a really, really long time. And it was nice to see how much I could actually rely on my staff when I'm not there. And I think in the day, like in the first days, definitely there's no way I could have stepped away for three months and just been like, well, hope everything goes well. And I can just like communicate with them from WhatsApp. Um, I guess in the last two years, the relationship that I've developed with my staff is really important. My factory manager is so incredible. He'll message me every week and be like, especially when I was away, like, I always hope that you're doing well, Lusa, and we hope to see you soon. And there's just a really beautiful business relationship there where he really understands now what it is that I'm creating and is really understanding of all of the different processes that I want to make sure go into place before anything gets, you know, sent to Australia and then sent to a consumer. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a lot easier now, but I guess there's still a lot of growing pains. I'm constantly learning. And, you know, even this week, after just getting back a few days ago from Hawaii, this week has been a little bit testing because I still feel like even though everything got done while I was away, there's kind of a little bit of a three-month catch-up, but it's really, really minor. And most of the catching up is just like going and meeting with everyone and just showing face and letting them know that I'm, I'm not just leaving forever because those relationships have been beautifully fostered. And it's nice to have dialogues with people in the flesh. And I think that's really important in keeping those relationships really beautiful and ensuring that um, I don't feel like another one of those people that come and create a label and then just disappear. And I still really respect all of my staff and want to ensure that they're doing well as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you learned Bahasa? <laughs> Do you speak Bahasa? Oh my then? gosh. I speak such a little, a little amount of Bahasa. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's something that's really hard for me is to grasp languages. I, I tried my hand at Japanese and French in school and I was like, honestly, I was pretty good. But now I couldn't hardly remember anything. I still remember how to count to 10 in Japanese and I can say my name in French and like random words that don't form any sentences whatsoever. But considering how long I've been in Bali, the interesting thing is like, you know, most of the Balinese actually want to speak English. Yeah. <laughs> they're learning English. And so I try and speak Bahasa to them and then they kind of laugh and then they're like, but we want to speak English to you. And I think that if perhaps if I was in a more rural area or a more like an area where there's not as many tourists, I'd really force myself to just speak Balinese or Bahasa to them and I'd pick it up pretty quickly. But yeah, there's, there's, 
there's just something in my brain that really struggles to adapt to another language. And I don't know what that is, but I'm like, I'm desperate to learn it, but it just doesn't like stick completely. <laughs> so I know, I know the basics. They'll get me by. Yeah. I mean, it's like the basics are even just like good in terms of respect. You know, I think when I was living there too, it was like, even if you just put in a bit of effort to learn and like to be able to communicate and get yourself by the same when I was in Peru, like you just, it is just like a respect thing, like just to be able to get by at the market or wherever you are. Um, Yeah. Even though they, they do want to learn English also. So yeah, a hundred percent. I find it funny though, because sometimes I'll, I think my accent or my dialect when I speak Bahasa is really good because the words that I do know, like I've nailed them. And so when I say them, sometimes people just assume that I speak like fluent Indonesian and they'll start having a conversation with me. And I'm like, um, it's full stunned mullet. I have no idea what you said. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> and then I'll have to go back to English and I'm like, ah, oh, I really wish that I could converse with you. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Oh, I'd love to go to Peru, by the way. My friend just got back from there and he had the most incredible trip. Oh, my God. I'm planning to be there in the middle of next year. My friend um, Chrissy runs these, like, really epic um, kind of, like, pilgrimages there. And she's doing this, like, women's one in, oh, I don't know, I think maybe June or July next year. And I'm, like, so there. <laughs> I miss it so oh much. God. You would love it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can imagine. I'd be, yeah, I've heard it's really, really cold. <laughs> like like in the days it actually is quite warm because you're very high elevation. So like the sun's pretty hot, but then as soon as the sun goes down, like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And okay. if you're hiking yeah. like on a high, you know, to high altitudes, then of course, yeah, it's pretty cold. But you were born in like Colorado, right? No. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was. And I, I still like, I've recently actually I haven't but since I moved from Colorado I would spend like every single year we'd go to the snow in winter but it's nowhere near as cold as being in Peru or Colorado or anything like the winter in Australia people will laugh at me they're like how cold is it and I'm like "Mm, maybe like 10 degrees and they're like oh okay so in uh japan right now it's like minus 20 and yeah Yeah. in um in colorado it's showing about minus 15 and i'm like "Mm, okay i I will stop complaining about my 12 degree weather (laughs) (laughs) i know we're like so spoiled in australia yeah yeah but it's it's different i don't know if if you've ever been skiing you'll understand this because you put on your ski attire and you're working out. So you get really, really hot. And even when you're on the top of the mountain, I'm not sure what it's like in Peru, but even when you're on the top of the mountain, like if it's a nice sunny day, it's hot. It could be minus like five and you're boiling. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the elevation. Like I still got quite burnt in Peru, (laughs) even when it was like not super sunny you know, like yeah. your skin, because you're very high up, you just get burnt mm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I also the, um, what's it called? It's like the reflection from yeah, the like light. opaques yeah. and stuff, the white. Yeah, exactly. Like, crazy. 
Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I feel like in like literally every podcast, they end up talking about Peru. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm so conscious of like not over talking about it. Okay. Let's like pull in the reins, Chloe. You don't need to go down the Peru track. <laughs> Again. Clearly, clearly someone loves Peru. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> well, you did bring it up. <laughs> Did I? Okay, we're getting off. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, there are some like other things that I do want to speak to you about. Like, I definitely want to speak to you about your journey with skin. And I like, I was kind of wanting to talk about it earlier because I I heard you speak about also like one of the intentions behind the wild and like the sustainable fashion was like about the skin being our biggest organ and like wanting to like adorn yourself in something that's natural it's not going to like clog the pores and I know that like your skin has been like a big journey for you through your life and like it's been so beautiful to see like your sharings um, on your process with your skin and I think it's obviously helped so many other people feel more comfortable with their skin journey too. And, you know, the tips mm. and everything that you've given too. So um, hmm, I'm not really sure what the question is, but I would love to just like hear a bit Expand about you. Yeah. Hear a bit about your journey with your skin and what you've learned through that process. And, and I guess also like the energetics of that too, because I obviously like there's so much, um, that's not just physical, you know, that yeah, there is like, like the emotional, like the skin is such a representation of like our emotional state. I found that with my skin for sure. Um, yeah. So anything you feel to share on skin? Yeah. Skin is such a big one for me because it's just been this like ongoing process for like over five years now and it's not something that I ever dealt with as a teenager so now as like a 25 year old woman I'm looking in the mirror going okay so I have completely hormonal acne and it's just not going away um it really it really was never something that I thought I would ever ever get I had clear skin until I was 19 and I actually came over to Bali and I picked up a parasite called um Guardia if anyone's ever heard of that it's like a nightmare and my sister had that actually as a baby yeah oh my gosh yeah it's horrible and there's 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 not a lot of resources available um for how to heal it completely and it's really hard to get rid of of parasites if you've got one because sometimes they don't show up in tests like as you know like you could do a stool sample with your doctor and unless there's like a parasite that drops into the stool they won't actually detect it so in the first two weeks when I had my parasite I lost nine kilos because my body literally would not handle eating anything I could hardly even consume water and I went to hospital the first um, in the first week and I went to hospital again in the second week because I was just so sick. Uh, I remember one day like waking up having the craziest pain in my back and I went to the toilet and I had a full kidney infection and I could have sworn that I was urinating straight blood. 
and it was just it was so terrifying and I went straight to the hospital and I was like oh my finger my kidneys like exploded and my bladder's like bleeding or something and for about nine months it was it wasn't until I went and saw a naturopath that they actually picked up what I had but for about nine months, no doctors were able to tell me what it was that I was sick with. They were just prescribing me antibiotics after antibiotics. I was go. I went and saw seven different doctors, and I was still really, really sick. And I'd I'd actually been taking the contraceptive pill during um, that entire time because I I had started taking it when I was fifteen, and it was really interesting because. When I went and saw uh, my naturopath, I started taking a bunch of different herbs and she was making me different um, blends of herbs and I started taking essential oils. And it was when I started doing that and went off the pill and stopped taking all the antibiotics that it was actually that my skin flared up. And I couldn't believe it. I'd been so sick for nine months and then my skin started breaking out and I was still not at all in a in a state of like well-being by any means because my body was then going through full detoxification mode and so i really thought at the time that my skin was just detoxing from you know all of the poisons and the parasite especially that's what i really um attributed that to but 5 years later um i really don't believe that anymore it's super interesting because I know a lot of different people have different opinions on this, but I fully know and believe that part of the reason why my skin has been as, um, let's say traumatic, uh, and fled as it has been for the last few years is because of the contraceptive pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people are familiar with what it does and how it can be great you know, if you don't want to fall pregnant, I completely agree. And sometimes pregnancy isn't the option for some people. Um, but it really messes with your hormones. And that's something that I've now been struggling with. And I think with anything, you almost have to give yourself as much time as you've been doing that to then reverse it. So for me, I was taking it for four years, for almost five years. Yeah. And then five years later, you kind of have to give yourself about that much time, even if you're really healthy. So I kind of started seeing a naturopath and my skin never like really cleared up at any point. And I've seen so many different people about it, but I never ever went down the chemical route. And a lot of people were telling me that I could just go on Aracutane or just like use this um, peroxide cream or like you could try proactive or whatever it is. And there was a lot of resistance obviously because of what I'd experienced after taking antibiotics and taking the pill. There was no way that I wanted to put something synthetic in or on my body. And it's been such a journey because I know that for some people like those treatments actually really, really work but it doesn't mean that it's healthy for you. And I was in such a like health conscious state that anything that was synthetic or chemical based, there was just no way that I was going to touch it because my body was reacting so severely to um, those different things that I was putting in. So 
I really started consuming a lot of organic foods and I was using a lot of organic skincare and consistently seeing a naturopath and it definitely helped, but yeah, it's still such a process now. And, um, recently I have started actually consuming, um, it's hard to get in Bali and I'm like, maybe a little bit sad because you can't get celery in Bali, but yeah, I've been drinking a whole head of celery every single morning and most afternoons as well, especially when I was in Hawaii. And that has helped me tremendous amounts with my skin. If I, I don't know if I can go too much into detail about it because it's like a lot, but there's a guy called uh, The Medical Medium and he recommends people to drink celery juice every single day. And there's people who are healing themselves of like chronic fatigue and um, all sorts of different skin elements or like liver functions. And it's so powerful for me to have witnessed those results just in my own body as well. After drinking that in the first two weeks when I was in Hawaii, um, my skin was just completely different. It was like the landscape changed. Wow. Um, yeah, really, really cool. I so recommend it to anyone, even if you don't have skin issues or, or anything in particular that you're like, concerned about celery juice is probably the elixir of life (laughs) i don't know maybe that's a big call but i'm gonna call it i hear so many people these days talking about it okay i really need to get on board yes get onto it but make sure it's organic it's hard to get and it's a little bit expensive but it's so worth it and i love celery so it's nice to drink every day it's really refreshing Mm -hmm. but Yes, that's kind of been part of my routine as of late. Um, I've also been taking an essential oil by doTERRA, which is amazing, and it's called copaiba, and it's from the copaiba tree, which grows in um, the Amazon, and it's made out of the copaiba tree resin, and it's basically for the complete immune system, and it helps with inflammation and it helps to even out your skin tone and reduce blemishes. And when I first started taking that as well, it was just incredible. Like the combination of celery juice and copaiba was insane. Like I could have sworn that my skin went from being, I don't even know how to explain it in words, but it changed drastically, like definitely. And I had a lot of people comment on it being like, wow, you're, you're you actually look really, really well. Not that you looked terrible before, but like you look more radiant now, mm. whatever. You- so yeah, that was incredible to see. But I try and keep um, my skincare really, really simple. Um, I know a lot of people use all different products and they use a lot of different makeup to cover up their blemishes. And the entire time that I have actually had acne, I've never ever ever covered it up with makeup because I've been so paranoid and scared that the makeup would clog my pores and make it worse that I just right. would side with huge pimples and blackheads and uh, kind of had a no fucks attitude about it and I was like well yeah this is the reality and I'm just gonna have to deal with it until it goes away and I'm not gonna for a long time I actually did hide and sometimes when it was really bad I would spend up to two weeks in my room I just wouldn't leave and I would be in tears every day I wouldn't want to look in the mirror and 
it can be really debilitating because it's not, it's something that so many people get, but it's not something that's okay. Like it really affects your self-esteem. Maybe if you have like a skin condition can be really traumatic for people because you might be doing all of the right things internally and externally. But like you said, like there are a lot of emotional things that trigger people to have skin uh, conditions like eczema and psoriasis and acne. And it's really interesting when you tap into those different things to see what is actually, what actually can be partly uh, to blame or partly to cause for those things. And I, um, I actually started seeing this healer last year who has really changed my life in so many ways. And I think when I first started seeing her, I, I had so many things that I wanted to deal with before I even thought about my skin. And it had been so long that I was just kind of like, oh, my, my skin breaks out, but I never mentioned it to her. It was something that I just kind of accepted and knew that would go away in time. But I remember doing a post about it on Instagram and I'd been seeing my healer for almost nine months and she follows me and she was like, I didn't know that you were even worried about your skin. Like I don't see that of you because she's amazing. She, she doesn't really see the external, but she was like, I don't see that of you, but if that's something that you're concerned about, then we can deal with that on the emotional level and level and the things that actually trigger that for you. And it was really interesting because for me, it was a lot of shame Um, There was a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And personally, whenever I get stressed and anxious, um, my acne definitely flares up, especially around my neck. And yeah, we did an entire session on that. And the next week, my skin was just like glowing, radiant, amazing. So I think it will... I think it will always be a journey. I don't want to be naive and be like, once it's clear, it's clear forever because, you know, my mom still gets pimples here and there and things in our life always change and we never know what's coming. But um, it is something that I've learned to accept and be comfortable with. And for sure, it gets the better of me in some scenarios when it's really, really bad. But most of the time I've learned to look in the mirror and look past it because I have so much more to give than a few pimples on my face. And that's not what defines me. And I think it can be really, really hard for people. I was in that state for a long period of time of not knowing what to put on my skin and not knowing who to trust or what they say. But when you, when you start to like really unfold all of the different reasons behind it so much more than what we think and there's a lot of preconceptions that it's caused by sugar or it will be solved by going on the pill which isn't great for the body or if you use this specific cream it will heal it or if you do this it will heal it and I think it's really like everything there is a lot of work that goes into having um clear skin or whatever it might be in your life but yeah I'm I'm still learning and sometimes I find stuff that works and sometimes I find stuff that makes it worse so it's quite a journey but I definitely recommend anyone who is struggling with acne 
you can reach out to me and I can give you more advice as I go along, but I definitely share it on my Instagram as, as whenever I feel like I need to. And I would say try the celery juice and try the copaiba oil because it really helped me. And I think that if we're open to different healing modalities, then these things can be, um, you know, introduced into our diets and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It feels like um, it's like a clear kind of marking point for you too, to really like understand where you're at emotionally, like because it will yeah. appear directly on your face, you know, yeah. and I, like we all have those, like our body is constantly sending us messages and giving us like signs and signals of like where we're at emotionally because obviously everything is linked (laughs) even though like sometimes we might forget that (laughs) it's like of course everything is linked of course stress is going to cause inflammation in the body or like yeah it's it's such an interesting dance and journey and we all have these different ways that our body shows us um where we're at and I think it's so beautiful that like you did open up to like you know the the emotional healing aspect of that and like so beautiful that it that it you saw immediate results with that because I think that's so powerful and so much like we're not really taught that you know obviously even through like natural healing you know it's more just about like the external like okay what can I take for this instead of like okay what can I like shift within myself to like create a new mm. experience but you know of course it's like we you know it's like the dance between the external and the internal we're obviously like working with plants and working with like the external stuff to yeah to help us along too but yeah it all comes ultimately from within right (laughs) yeah I mean this is something that I actually find really interesting because I've been seeing a lot recently um not by obviously everyone but there's some people in I guess the spiritual community who are making these very bold statement and saying I'm not this body and it's one that I find really interesting for a few reasons but mostly because of the emotional triggers and like you said it really lets us know where we are at and everybody has chosen to be on earth and be human so while you are in this body you are this body and it's really important to not neglect that fact and pretend as if you're not within your own body because it's so important to be grounded within that and pay attention to the different triggers that our body presents so that we are able to move forward in our soul evolution because it's like if you have uh, pain in your right shoulder you're not going to, like, if you're aware of what that means, like the right side is masculine, left side is feminine, you know that there's something that's going on in your masculine energy. And so you have to pay attention to that and do the work to then remove that ailment or allow that ailment to release itself so that you can move on and take the next lesson on board. And it's a really interesting thing to not, like, want to accept that you're you're a human body for me I I just find that one really really hard to understand and 
Yeah, I you, know. I totally yeah. that kind of <laughs> spiritual perspective of like, I am not this body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like, um, you it. are your fucking body. Like, deal with it. You are your body. <laughs> like, you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. It's like a cop-out. Like, I, I also feel like... <laughs> Yeah. And I think like, I reckon in my, the beginnings of kind of like learning more about spirituality and stuff, like I did, I identify more with that. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, it doesn't actually matter. Like I am like a spirit, you know? Like, And then it's like, no, actually, no, I'm here in this body. I've chosen this body. I've chosen to be in this life to learn how to like integrate these teachings and like have fun and be in this body be on this earth and yeah it's it's so important I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah yeah totally agree well oh it's just something and it's hard for some people to understand what I'm saying so I'm really glad that you know what I mean because it's so true like we've chosen to be here and integrate the different things that we're learning as humans in this lifetime within the structure of like who we are and I think ignoring what that is and and calling it you know a flesh prison or um a monkey suit or anything like that is kind of I don't know it's like almost insulting yourself because you've chosen this lesson to come here and experience this so it's like you're trying to pretend as if you're not and that you're almost then you're almost better than others because you're aware of the fact that you're a spirit but it's like mm-hmm. no we're all here doing the same thing we're just all on different journeys and just be grounded in who you are and like accept that whatever it is that you chose to learn in this lifetime is also like required for you to be in human form yeah. so yeah, yeah I'm, full, so- I'm so glad you understand yeah for sure. I feel like a huge part of what I'm like learning in this life is like how to be okay with being in a body, like be okay with being in my body. Like with so much of my like, I guess, shadow side has been around like body image and feeling discomfort mm-hmm. in my body, no matter what I look like on the outside. It's like an internal like process. Yeah. So it's it's been good because it definitely like drives you to seek ways that you can feel more at home and more like radiant and you know in terms of food and practices and all of this like it's been very beneficial in that way because it really has you seeking the best ways to to really um feel good and confident and comfortable in your skin but yeah it's such a such a journey also and Mm -hmm. one that like is so beautiful too and we're, we're just learning so much about how to be in these bodies, especially in this like modern world, it feels like, but yet with this movement that's happening, which is more about like the kind of rewilding in a way, like learning more of like the natural ways to be and like walk on earth, you know, and leave less impact and be more honoring. And yeah, so, but yet also having to exist in like, the technological world and obviously like you know so much about that too because 
Mm. You know, it's like the dance, you know, like, especially with your brand too. It's like obviously a really like eco-sustainable brand, but you have to like work with the modern world in order to like put it out there, promote it, like get it where it needs to be, you know. It's such yeah. a, I'd love to speak to you more about like your relationship with social media and like online marketing and this sort of thing, because yeah, obviously you do have quite a large like following online and that's like been built up over the years and it's been like, you know, um, a source of income also for you in terms of modeling and like collaborating with brands and this sort of thing. And I'd love to hear, cause I remember when, we haven't seen each other for ages. I remember it was probably like 2016 when we saw each other last. And I think we were like having a conversation with Indigo at Sage in Bali. And I'm like, it's coming back to me now. Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember this. Yeah. And we were talking about, I think you were at this turning point of you'd been doing a lot of work for different brands and kind of like, yeah, we're at this point where you, you felt like the image that you were promoting yourself as wasn't really totally you or something like, and I see obviously there's been so much that's shifted and like in the way that you show up online now. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear a bit about like that journey for you too and the different phases that you've gone to through and where you're at with it now, like how you, how you view it, you know, like what, what is it like, mean to you like what sort of tool is it for you Mm. it's such a beautiful and interesting like creative expression tool for me now but yeah when I when I first started Instagram I remember posting um, a lot of my artworks on there and I had kind of opened up a bit about my skin and my healing journey because I mean, Instagram hasn't really been around that long. So the platform is constantly evolving and now it's really involved into this marketing beast. And I'm literally calling it a beast because it's really like ravaging a lot of people's lives to pieces. And I actually saw this caption that um, Kanye West posted the other day and I I can't find it. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was really interesting because he was saying how he believes that there should be an option for anybody on social media to decide whether or not their audience can see how many likes they're receiving and how many followers they have. So you could make it an optional feature because a lot of people are actually committing suicide over not getting enough engagement. And it's such a scary thing to think that in such a short space of time, I mean, Instagram hasn't even been around for 10 years. Like it's so new and it's constantly adapting and it's become this huge marketing beast, which is literally taking people's lives because they're not getting the social validation that they think they need to be considered a worthy human being. And that is so scary. Like, I know how that feels completely and I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I remember like you were saying when we were in that cafe and I had really gotten to this point where I'd had this falling out with one of my good friends and she was quite, um, you know, she was quite recognized on social media and the people that we were hanging with all had quite large followings and 
it was just seen as kind of in our circle. It was seen as being normal that we posted bikini pictures and we always looked like we were bikini body ready. And uh, I felt like I constantly had to be, um, you know, like manicured basically in case there was ever a photo. And sometimes when I would look at the picture, I would be like, oh my God, that's like disgusting. I can never post that. And now when I look back at those pictures, it's amazing how much my attitude has changed because I could look at those photos now and be like, wow, I couldn't see how beautiful or like happy I looked, but inside I was really struggling emotionally and it was plaguing me completely because I didn't feel like what I was doing was good enough unless I was getting a certain amount of likes and the dialogue that was being thrown around between some of the people that I was spending time with was incredibly toxic because it was like, well, you're not getting enough likes because you're not posting, you know, a good enough angle of your body or the lighting's not good or this isn't good or that's not good. And it was like, why can't I just like post what I want to post and not have to feel like it's not good enough for anyone because it should just be good enough for myself. Like if I'm happy with it, then that is the only thing that should matter. And now I'm at this like other point where I remember back then, maybe, I don't know, maybe I had like 70 or 80,000 followers and I don't have that much more now. I think I'm at 120. Um, but back then I was getting, you know, sometimes 10 to 15,000 likes on my photos. And now I might get 900 completely, just like 900 likes on a picture and I'll post it and I won't even look at it. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, I love this picture so much. I'm just going to post it. And sometimes people are like, your feed's looking really dark at the moment. I'm like, so it's like really moody and it's so creative and I love it. And that's just like, it doesn't mean that I'm in a dark place in my life or anything. It just means that I'm feeling super inspired to share something. And it just happens to be that I'm really um, affected and inspired by, you know, really interesting lighting. So like it could be sunset and I could like completely have this little tiny glowing patch of sunset and then the rest of it's all silhouetted. That doesn't mean that my feed isn't, you know, worthy or anything. It just means that I'm sharing freely and I'm not putting these restraints on myself to only post what I think will get good engagement. I'm just really posting whatever the fuck I want now. And I think what Kanye said is so interesting because it should be optional. Like it completely should be optional. If it was optional, I wouldn't show how many followers I have at all. Like there's no way I would just post because I want to post. I would post my art. I would post my photography. I would still post photos of me naked in the waterfall or whatever it is that I'm doing because I want to. And I know when I was speaking to you, I had come to this realization about how important it was to like just be myself and having stepped back into my own power and feeling like I didn't need to do those things anymore. Um, it was really, yeah, it was really, really interesting time for me because mm -hmm. it kind of, it came with, I think the fact that I had been modeling for a while as well. And 
then sharing those images on social media most of the most of the brands that i worked with were bikini labels and obviously i wasn't getting jobs for anything else because i wasn't posting pictures of anything else other than me at a beach in a bikini so there was no diversity to what i was sharing there was no diversity to the way that i was working and i think that really affected obviously my self esteem and how I felt in relation to Instagram, especially. Um, I remember doing a shoot with this photographer in Bali and I got the photos back and I was just crying. And it wasn't because I was disappointed with how I personally looked. It was, I was really, really disappointed because he had actually edited my face to look different. I had no freckles on my face. My body was completely morphed. And I didn't look like myself. And that was one of the biggest turning points for me to realize what it is that I know now, which is there is no point in posting this fake um, photoshopped perceived like dream life to the world because most of the people who are doing that might actually not be happy with themselves. And, you know, we see this a lot and I'm not trying to say that I am a celebrity by any means, but we see this a lot with celebrities where, you know, we see a paparazzi image of them and, and it's like, oh my God, X, X, Y person, you know, spotted with no makeup, like leaving the store. And it's like, uh, these people weren't born with makeup on. Why is this such a big like deal? Why is this in the tabloids? But it's because when we see them on magazine covers and we see them on the red carpet or in movies, they are so manicured that seeing them as anything other than that is like, it's like, who is that person? Like, the thing that really gets to me, I guess, is why we don't see these people just as they are more often. And that really contributes to the social stigma that's been created of people feeling like they need to be perfect all the time and get the best engagement and take 100 selfies before they post one good one that maybe they're not even happy with, but they just posted it because they felt like they had to post that day. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I know how toxic it can be for people. And, you know, it's, it's really before social media existed, you know, we had magazines and stuff and, and there was definitely people getting plastic surgery done and I'm, I'm not at all against plastic surgery and I think that for some people it can be really, really incredible way for them to boost their self-esteem and I would never want someone to feel like uncomfortable in their body and like they can't do something about it when we do have, you know, the means available now for people to be able to like fix something on them that makes them feel really vulnerable and insecure. And I've been through that, you know, I, when I was 11, I had my ears pinned back because I used to get bullied so badly that I would come home crying every single day because my ears would stick out so much and I'd get teased from it. But now the thing that really like is quite scary to me and is super confronting is that people aren't getting bullied into 
feeling like they need to change their appearance. People are changing their appearance because they don't feel like they are good looking enough or beautiful enough, or they don't feel like they fit the social status, the social hierarchy because they don't have like a stiff face or maybe they don't have, you know, big enough lips. And I, I don't necessarily think that all of these people have huge insecurities within themselves that were not created um, just by social media. Does that make sense? Like I think that a lot of these people are only getting these procedures done because they feel like it will get them more work or it will get them more social validation. And that is like such a terrifying and daunting thought in my mind because it's not for them. It's actually for others. Yeah. And we shouldn't be changing ourselves for others. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so huge when you think about it. Yeah. Like if, if that whole realm of social media didn't exist, like I really think like the amount of people who would be getting work done would be so small minimal yeah so small and if you didn't like that's the thing if you didn't care at all like about being validated by people in society then of course like you're not going to like go to these extremes to try and like modify yourself to fit like an ideal because like what is that Mm -hmm. ideal anyway like that ideal is so subjective too and so like we get presented with one ideal like in our kind of western culture but like it varies from each culture too and it like Mm. changes too you know like with the trends of course there's like the whole lip trend now and like what happens when that's like out of style (laughs) then everyone's left with like lips (laughs) I don't know it really does concern me too and like we all play into that to some degree. I've definitely found like stepping back from that pressure has like been very healing. And the more time you spend alone and separate from that whole world, the better. Um, Yeah. To just really like continuously check in with like why you post certain things, what your intention behind it is, what your relationship with social media is like, like what is it serving for you in your life? Um, Mm. Yeah, it's it's quite a dance. But like it could be, who knows what the next thing could be. It could be over soon. Like Instagram could, Mm. I don't know, morph into something else. And then what happens to these people who have built like, you know, call themselves influencers and like, what happens to them? <laughs> I know. And it, it is like such an interesting title. And I think, yeah, I mean, I guess it will get to a point where social media does like morph into something else or another app will come around and, um, you know, before it existed, there was a lot of people that weren't getting surgeries done who now are, you know, I still want to have really beautiful, radiant skin, but not for anyone else, just than myself. And because Instagram is such a crazy marketing platform and it's really changing how people react with others and how they react within them, their own selves, like 
it's just, I don't know, like once it moves on, it's like, yeah, what will these people do? And I I think the most interesting thing for me, like reflecting upon that was that when I started the wild for like a, I probably only started telling people that it was mine at the start of the year. And I think the people that knew me or the people that I like interacted with on a day-to-day basis, they just thought that I posted on social media and then like worked on the wild, but, or they knew that I did that. Sorry. But anybody else just thought like, Oh, what's this girl do? She just like lives on an Island in Bali and she just like hangs out at the beach all day. And like, what does she do? There was no, there was no lead into the wild. There was nothing. I, I really wanted to create the wild as its own, you know, business before I really claimed it because I didn't, I don't know. I, it, it was this really strange like development for me because I wanted it to be its own thing. I didn't want it to be attached to me at first because of what I had been posting and even like thinking about that now like almost shocks me because when I launched the wild what my values were weren't actually being reflected in what I was posting on my personal page so I didn't feel like they were even remotely connected Mm -hmm. and I almost felt like I was just posting for the wild as if it was someone else's brand and I was just working with them but I really was creating that because that's who I was and deep down that's who I always have been and the belief systems have always been there and that's what I want to share. So now stepping back to the start of the year and, and really taking ownership and, and, and saying, hey, yeah, like this is my, my brand. I'm not just some like influencer living in Bali, like off a beach, just drinking coconuts every day. Like I, I really work hard and my full-time income isn't from social media. Like my income is from photography and from the wild, but most people don't have something that they can fall back on. If you have a million followers and all you do is post photos of yourself in a bikini, if Instagram for some reason ceased to exist, like how would, how would you survive? Like, are you able to work in hospitality? Like, what are you going to do? Like what, what are your skills and like, what are you able to do? Or are you just good at being an influencer? And I think that a lot of people now, I remember at one point getting this message on oh, this. Actually, I think I remember telling you about this when we were at Sage that time that I'd received this message from this girl that just broke my heart because she said that she had been seeing a therapist because she didn't feel good enough that she felt like she could never attain her life goal and dream, which was to be a social media influencer. And I just burst Uh into tears. I felt completely shattered because this was someone who was following me and asking me for advice and saying like, how can I be like you? And I was like, Oh my God, I'm completely putting the wrong message out there. If this girl's going like she, she probably followed like, quite a lot of different influences at the time but who knows well she'd messaged but she'd messaged me someone conscious and I read that and was just like I'm not actually doing a positive thing 
for anybody who follows me and the people that follow me could be really impressionable. And I don't want them to think that life is like this easy ride where you just live in Bali and drink coconuts because you post photos of your bum on social media for life. Like <laughs> that's not what my life is like at all. And anyone who knows me knows that they're like, yeah, Lucet loves running around naked. And she's like, always at the beach and she's always in waterfalls and stuff like that, but she's a really hard worker and she's dedicated to what it is that she's creating. And it's not all about social media. So at that time when I was presenting that image, I was crushed by receiving that message from her because I really realized that what I was doing was not positive to the people who followed me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I lost a lot of followers, but I think that those people weren't, they're not people that I wanted to follow and engage with what I do anyway, because they were probably just there to look at my body, which is disturbing. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. I Good wake up call. Such an interesting world and it, yeah, such a wake up call. So I, yeah, I don't want anyone to feel like that's their life dream and goal because it's not really, it's not sustainable to live just off social media. It's not, there's no, there's no blueprint for how social media is going to evolve because it's never existed before. So the possibilities are endless and it can take any track. Like there's, there's no calculation for where this could end up on not that I know of anyway, and not that most of my friends know of. I'm sure it will keep growing, but you know, I just don't know how that, that ends up. And it's it's not viable to say to people like as a twelve year old, I wanna be an Instagram influencer when I'm older. Like what? Just mm-hmm. oh my God, like, what? Yeah. 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 And yet like we live in such a powerful time now with the power of um, the online world that does like with you, you know, being able to travel wherever you want and still run a business and, you know, be that kind of digital nomad. And I've had that experience too. And it's, it is such a blessing and like so powerful to be able to be free in that way and understand how to work with, the platforms in order to like generate income for yourself so that you can live, I guess, more outside of the, the general nine to five system and understand a new way of being able to generate income. And I think that's so powerful too. And what I like to really like share also about like it, it, it's Mm. work for sure, but you can definitely do that if it is something that you really feel like you want to do, but yeah, it's like, so many people would, would see that as an ideal, but maybe it's not what they need also. Like it's really yeah. not a path for everyone. Um, but yeah, no. I totally see like the positives too of, of the freedom it can create for you. Yeah. And there is so much freedom and, and I am never going to deny like how blessed and grateful I feel for being able to share my life with people and have people engage with me and inspire others. And then the opportunities that have presented themselves to me because of that, like I never would have gotten some of those opportunities if I wasn't on social media. So it, it is such a blessing, but it, it can be really um, hard to work with. And it's definitely not for everyone. 
you know, there's a lot of people who really, really try to make it work. And I think those are the people that are really, really struggling internally because it's not happening for them the way that it's happening for others or it's, it's, they don't quite understand the way that it's impacting their emotions and their physical well-being or their mental well-being. And yeah, if, if you've got a backup plan, like if, or if you've just got other things that you love to do outside of social media, like do them because you can share them online and everyone has such unique and incredible talents. Like some people are so gifted and they end up being like incredible accountants or mathematicians and stuff like that. And they're not sitting on Instagram all day, like posting algorithms going like, so I did this maths equation and I did this tax return and like getting all of these likes, but they're still making a really incredible income and they're still traveling the world and doing really beautiful things. It's just a different means of living. And I think people have forgotten that that's like, not everyone, obviously, social media community is still quite small in terms of how many people there are in the world, but there are people that for, have forgotten that they're actually conventional jobs that have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years that exist and are actually like really reputable jobs. And they just think that the only way to make it now is to be on social media. It's a strange, weird thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What's your experience been like, like, cause I guess when you are on social media, or like kind of doing that sort of lifestyle, you tend to connect with other people who are also in that space. So you probably yeah. would have heard like an experience, like a lot of other people's like, I don't know, journey with it too, like positive and negative. And like probably oh, see like the underbelly of it rather than just like what people actually put out there online. Um, yeah. And yeah. gosh, I think this is funny. I feel like I'm like sharing a little like weird Instagram secret that people do, but I don't really care. So I, <laughs> I remember like Expose it. <laughs> exposing all of the darkness Um, I remember getting, I got connected into this group on social media and it was a bunch of influencers and it was like, it was like an algorithm hack thing. And you went into this group and it was like a like and comment group. And so there was all these people with like hundreds of thousands of followers. And whenever you posted, you shared in the group that you'd posted and then everybody that was in the group. And there was like 15 of us had to go in and we liked and commented on each other's photos to help boost the engagement because obviously when someone who has like, I don't know, over a hundred thousand followers, let's say their photo um, will come up in the explore feed more if there's other influential people that have liked and commented on it and engaged with it. So it was like this algorithm hack that people started getting into when the algorithm changed from being uh, chronological to whatever they've decided people's posts are going to come up randomly now. And um, it was interesting because for like the first month or two, I was like, oh yeah, this could be cool. But it was so much work. Like it was so much work. It took so much time. And I didn't know any of these girls 
beforehand and they're all beautiful, inspiring women. Like all of them are amazing, incredible people who are doing amazing things in the world and sharing really great messages and they're super conscious, but it was so much work. And I spent so much more time on my phone because there's like 20 people in this group and every day people would post and sometimes people would post twice a day and you'd have to go and like comment on their posts and then like say that you posted and then do this. And it was like, it was like adding another three hours of social media onto your page because you're constantly looking at it and making sure that you're doing it because you, you like, you couldn't miss anybody's posts. But the beautiful thing about that group is that I actually connected with a girl on there um, who is one of my really, really amazing, beautiful, close friends now. And her name is Nadia and she is phenomenal. She's this incredible vegan chef and she's written all of these cookbooks, like traveling around the world. And she's actually coming to Bali in about two weeks and she's going to be here for a little bit. I'm so excited to see her, but we met last year in Hawaii and we met because I'd followed her and I saw on her Instagram that she was in Oahu at the same time as me. So I never would have connected with her if it wasn't for that group. Um, And there's a lot of people that I'm friends with that I never ever would have met if it weren't for social media who are now like incredibly dear friends of mine that are super inspiring people and really drive me to do more with my life. And so there is such a beautiful community on there that we can connect with. It's just making sure that you're actually connecting with the right people because everyone's facing challenges. But a lot of the people that I connect with or follow now, like I don't care if I'm even friends with, I don't, I actually don't care if I'm friends with someone um, and I unfollow them because I don't like what they're posting. Like I might still love that person, but if their posts make me feel uncomfortable or I don't like what they're sharing, I can still have a beautiful relation with them face to face. I hope that they don't get offended by the fact that I might unfollow them. It's not like I don't like them. I just don't want to see like toxic things in my feed or I don't want to see things that make me feel like uncomfortable. So, I mean, if one of my friends was posting photos of like huge, big meaty burgers or something like that, I probably would not follow them, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty big example, but I don't want to see that stuff come up on my feed every day, you know? I try and follow, follow people that inspire me or um, really put a lot of beautiful messages or education out into the world. And yeah, it, it, it's really great for building community, but um, yeah, you just have to find the right people on there, the right community. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, yeah, some of my closest friends uh, have been people that I've met through social media too. It's mm. been such a powerful tool over the years being active mm-hmm. on it and yeah, incredible. The well, I that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw your page was actually on like before we'd ever met, I saw you on social media in Bali eating a huge durian. And I was like, <laughs> who, who is this chick? I want to be friends with her. She looks so awesome. <laughs> You're like in the jungle with this ginormous durian. Like I was like, wow, this girl is, she's, a, she's an extra special human. Like I need to know her. <laughs> Oh man, I'm 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is watering. funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to get back there like ASAP. Yeah, it's been interesting for me actually this year because I've like been in full-time study um, yeah. doing counselling. Like also just kind of, yeah, I guess going off what you said before about like having like the backup because like mm-hmm. I don't really see the power of what I'm doing online and obviously like sustaining myself online. But I just really have been craving doing something like in person, in the flesh, like really mm-hmm. that's a big intention for me too. And I guess like the direction of the Mojo Mecca too is like to do sessions and like group workshops and like this sort of like in-person stuff. Cause it's like, mm. yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of the online kind of, media and sharing and you know creation and everything but yeah I've really come into that space and I'm like no like in person for sure is definitely the direction I want to move in um yeah, yeah. So anyway I totally agree with you but yeah just yeah. like bringing it into that like tangible form that tangible connection that you can have with people is is so important um, well, that's the thing, like, be kept up in the, the kind of like virtual etheric <laughs> sort of thing. And it's like, we receive so mm-hmm. much information through social media too. It's like, how much do we actually really, really take in? And I'm conscious of that too, of like following less people so I can really take in what the people that I'm following are actually sharing and actually absorb that information and, you know, follow people who I really do care about what they're sharing and like that they take Mm. more time to to share about things that like yeah that I'm really interested in so yeah I I definitely resonate with that too in terms of like really continuously clearing out like who you're following and why and you know Mm. definitely a good tip yeah it's it's interesting because people get super offended by it when you unfollow them they think that you've like cut them off as a friend like I got told the other night by someone that this person there was some a mutual friend of ours like had unfollowed um her and I and I was like so and she was like but you were just hanging with them and I was like I don't care like I don't really know them that well and I don't really care if they follow me like doesn't it doesn't really affect me cool they unfollowed me it's not a big deal like it's just social media I will probably see them and if I do like we'll hang out we'll have a good conversation and I don't I don't need to be followed by that person and I don't need to follow people as well like I can still have that one-on-one friendship with them you know and a lot of the people that I'm good friends with who have large followings are the biggest introverts that I know like incredible mm-hmm. introverts. Me personally, I'm a huge introvert. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm super outgoing and I love connecting with people, but I could happily spend like three weeks by myself and not talk to anyone face to face and be really, really happy. But the people that I will talk to will be my closest friends. And those relationships are really important. And I might share them online sometimes in my stories and things like that. But yeah, like I have a large following, but I really keep the people that I love having around me that make me feel good and that make me feel like I'm the truest version of myself 
really close. And that, that also goes with like who I follow. I don't want, like I said, people that I don't want to follow people who make me feel like I'm not in a good place. And yeah, it's such an interesting thing that people get offended by that. It's like, it's like MySpace days when you weren't in someone's like top 20 friends. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm not your top friend now. And you put, you put someone else there. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like we all have amazing relationships with people and the the people that we're close with know Mm. and they understand those really beautiful friendships because we spend time with them face to face and it is tangible and we put our phone down and not every single second of it is recorded yeah it's real life real connection not a social connection Mm -hmm. so totally yeah I feel like when I'm actually hanging out with people I'm never like posting about it or like you know it's interesting I find I kind of find I use it more as like I've transformed my relationship with it to be more of like an artistic poetic medium and like a tool rather than like having to share like exactly what I'm doing or like eating or who I'm with and yeah, that's been really healthy for me too to just like remove from like the pressure of that because you're mm-hmm. the other people doing that and you're like, oh, wow, maybe I should, you know, post about what I'm doing or like just kind of letting it be more of like a natural uh, expression mm-hmm. rather than like I have to post every day. No, I don't mm-hmm. need to post for like two weeks if I don't want to. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And just trust that, like, also that just the people who need to see what you are putting out there will and will yeah. continue to, like, support what you do. And then if they, if they don't, then they'll unfollow you or, like, won't be engaged anymore and that's fine too. So, yeah, mm. I think it's just, like, removing the pressure is, is the healthiest thing, really, and allowing it to, like, which I've seen you too, like, just be, like, an artistic medium and, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I fully removed all the pressure and it was the best thing that I ever did. And now I just like, I love, I love hyping my friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will like, some of my friends own like cafes and, and I will go in there every single day and be like, go to this cafe. Mm-hmm. People probably like, does she just like eat food like all day? Is that what she does? And I'm like, oh my God. But like, I'm so proud of them or, um, you know, like Indigo, you like, I'll, love posting about like things that you're doing one of my and you know I've never met I've never met her but I really want to and you'd know her writing but um rainbow salt her name's Bianca Sparacino and she is ridiculous like in the best all of the best ways and I swear I just hype her so hard but we haven't met yet we're just like beautiful social media friends and everything that she shares is like one of those she's one of those accounts that you can look at for hours on end and you could read through everything because her poetry and her writing is so profound but it she has this really beautiful and loyal following and is really engaged and what she does is art and that's like what you do like 
with your podcast. I listen to every single one of your podcasts oh, and I love them. From day one, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, it's like, I, I can only use social media if I feel like I'm contributing to it in a positive way, like really creating more than I'm consuming. I mean, obviously it's like, you know, a delicate like balance, but yeah, if you feel like you're really like adding positive messages to that space, then it's like, that's what, continues to fuel you that's why I was like podcast because I've been so isolated this year I was like no I need to keep like creating even if I can't do it with like video interviews because I'm not really like connected so much to like my regular community but like it's been really great to be like okay cool what other medium can I use okay podcast awesome let's do it and then just like create and it's been such an awesome project yeah well I think Podcasts are so great as well because with the video interview, like I know if I ever watch a video interview, I really want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to find time to like sit down and just watch something. And so when you're listening to podcasts, like I'll listen to your podcasts while I'm in the car or while I'm on a train or on a plane or whatever it is that I'm doing, like you can always just pop in some earphones. Um, earphones headphones I don't even earbuds like I'm just like cross-pollinating words here um you just pop in those things that make noise for you whatever it is your choice mm-hmm. and and listen to what it is that you're talking about and I think that's a, it's so accessible to people and it's really amazing yeah. that you took what it was that you love doing and adapted yeah and just I can't do it this way but I'm going to do it this way instead like yeah you allowed the change really fluidly and it is so beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I just got really into podcasts and I was like, I could start one. Why can't I start one? <laughs> <laughs> I get this. just like, as soon as I st- started listening to podcasts, I was like, oh yeah, cool. I need to make one. Why not? <laughs> it's, like, it's so much easier than I thought too, to like do it. I'm already like tech savvy. It's pretty simple to just, yeah, record and yeah. put it up there. Yeah. Yeah, you're super tech savvy. I love it. Well, so are you, obviously. You obviously like know how to put yourself and your work out there and like market it in a way that's like reaching people. And you know, I feel like there's so much information out there these days also that we can really learn everything that we need to know online um, about like how that. to like yeah, how to be more tech savvy and work with the, the online world. Um, and anything I don't know, I just search and then like watch a video or articles or on, on it. And then it's like, oh yeah, cool. I can do that. <laughs> I know. Seriously, that's how I've learned. Most of like a lot of the stuff that I know, we're so lucky because we have access to Google. That's like everybody's life now. And it, I feel like it sometimes almost makes people lazy because they might not read an entire book because they know that they just can Google it one day. Yeah. But it's great because you actually have every single piece of knowledge and education in the world at your fingertips if you so choose to use it. And it's interesting that some people don't choose to use it, but you can learn anything that you want online. Like there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of resources available for all different kinds of career paths and like healing resources and stuff like that. But again, like I would still come back to the fact that it's 
really beautiful to have that tangible connection. And, you know, that's why for you, I think um, as well, like you could study online and your course is something that you, you know, you really need to be face to face with people and, and learn in person because what you're doing is very, it's also based instinctually and emotionally and you take body language cues and different things like that. And, Mm-hmm. You know, we can't falter the fact that human connection in person is so important, even though everything that we're like accessible to in terms of technology is so revolutionary and beautiful in helping us evolve as humans as well. Mm. Yeah, it's it's that crazy kind of like I do I do have this sense and I've had for like years that like we are coming full circle back into those more like indigenous ways of being and living those more natural ways and we're learning so much from like more traditional cultures and being inspired by that but yet yeah I think I was saying it before too just that dance between like the rate that like the modern world's advancing too and like having to exist in that world too it's like this crazy kind of like synergy between the two and how we like marry them and like exist in both of them and make sure that we're like making time to like balance the two also especially if you're working online especially if your business and your livelihood is a lot like in the online world to like really make time to like fully disconnect and fully reconnect with the cycles and like rhythms of nature has been and you know the practices of ceremony and ritual and that um, mm. and silence and meditation and solitude is so important <laughs> because it can be mm. so yeah you like you said it's so fast paced and moving so quickly and I feel like yeah the pace of like the online world is yeah it's so fast so we really do need to like carve out more time for that like slowing down of like and of our nervous system of our mind of everything it's so important and connecting with the elements and yeah I see you in a really good like balance with that too yeah I feel such a good balance with that I think honestly I really thought about this when I was away and I, I was in Hawaii I was like oh I could just you know just quit everything and just like work in a cafe and and just like make enough to pay my rent and just live off the land and like live in the island and beautiful water and like swim in the ocean every day and it would just be so easy but the thing is that I obviously would have so much beautiful free time and it would be really connected and I mean we don't need to have technology or anything like that but there is actually such a flame inside me that wants to do more in the world and I want to like be one of the change makers Mm-hmm. And I know that I am one of the change makers and I've been given a voice for a reason. And so allowing myself time, I, I was saying this to my friend yesterday and I think some people don't understand what it is that I'm saying, but hopefully it comes across right. But I really believe that we need to, to put ourselves first before we can put others first. And the best way that I can explain it is, um, you know, when you're on an airplane and they're like, if there is an emergency, like, please put your oxygen mask on before you help others. And if everyone else around you is passed out and 
you start putting oxygen masks on them first and then you pass out because you didn't put yours on, then you can't help anybody. Mm -hmm. So if you don't put yourself first and, you know, do the healing work or take time off to, you know, realign your emotions and reground into what it is that you want and what it is that you um, feel your purpose is in this life, then like, how can you possibly feel capable and able to help other people on their journey if they're struggling, if you're still struggling? Like, Mm -hmm it's so important to put yourself first and take that time for solitude and really do the work and figure it out. Make sure that you know who you are before you start, you know, like really trying to help others. If you're already struggling with those issues and it doesn't mean that you don't help people in, in the process, but make sure that you also put yourself first in a lot of situations instead of, you know, trying to serve others and then feeling really depleted or feeling like you're exhausted or passing out from, you know, like oxygen deprivation because you haven't had enough chance to breathe because you've really filled your life up with so much else that you're like, oh, I don't have any time for myself. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah. That, totally. Yeah. Such an important message. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can just, yeah, it's so beautiful to like witness you and like the magnetism that you hold through those realms too. And, you know, I I understand what you mean in terms of like you could completely disconnect. It's not like you're attached to it in that way. It's like, yeah, I could just like disconnect completely and get a whatever random regular job. Um, but yet there is that drive in you that, that understands um, I guess the potential and the the power that those realms do hold. And maybe it's, you know, like if you believe in like soul purposes, you know, like maybe it is a part of your purpose. And, um, you know, I think we both probably feel that that's why that you receive so much energy when you do. Mm. And it's like, so it's so beautiful to just kind of observe that like, Hmm, yeah okay so this is how I feel when I do that and this is the response I get and this is you know the lives that impact in a positive way through um showing up in in that way um yeah I think if you understand what I mean (laughs) just like yeah yeah that okay I've been like there is a reason why there are so many people following you why is that you know rather than like other people who may be posting similar things but maybe don't have as much of a like magnetism attracted to them and like understanding Mm. the power of that and like and why and how you can really like use that positively um yeah yeah which I think you do definitely totally thank you (laughs) yeah I yeah I think that everything fully happens for a reason even my brief stint in you know posting a lot of photos for bikini brands and and different things like that like that was obviously necessary for me to gain an audience so that then once I had the realization that I could share the message of why that is so toxic and experiential knowledge is like one of the most powerful things that we can ever share with other people because we've lived it we know fully and so if someone says like 
if someone said to you, I'm really struggling with this, 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 you can say, I understand how you feel. And this is how I helped myself in this situation. And if this works for you, that's really amazing. But these are other things that you can do too. So yeah, I think everything, everything that happens in our lives, like, yeah, I fully believe in soul purpose. And I believe that I've chosen all of the lessons that I've learned in my life so far and all the lessons that are to come. And, you know, the things that have brought me to where I am now are definitely crucial in that what I share is received by people who, you know, are drawn to my energy and what it is that I'm doing 100%. So Mm. it's really nice to be able to connect with everyone too. Mm -hmm. So how can people connect to you and to the wild online and um, yeah, check out what you do if they don't already follow you, which probably they would. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I have a few accounts which um, I share on not very consistently. You can follow me personally on Instagram and my handle is Lucette Romy and it's L-U-C-E-T-T-E-R-O-M-Y. And then the wild is the underscore wild. And like we spoke about, wild is W-Y-L-D-E. Um, and then from both of those, I, I share some of my photography on a separate page, which is shot by Lucette. And then my wild woman series is just wild woman. And I definitely plan to share more on that. That's like an ever evolving project, but mm, we yeah, didn't even get uh, to that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but it's still like, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming, but um, just briefly, I'll just say, yeah, the, it's something that I want to eventually evolve into a charity project. So with all of the women that I'm interviewing now, everyone, everyone has such different story, you know, and that's evident from all of the beautiful podcasts that you share. But I think that, you know, everybody relates to people differently and um, everybody's stories deserve to be heard. And I want to be able to like share those stories as well. And, and eventually create a charity from it and be able to give back to different um, organizations in the world and different women's groups and things like that. So, yeah. Mm, Beautiful. So beautiful. Um, Well, we could keep going for so much longer, but (laughs) (laughs) we should probably wrap it up a little bit. Um, Yeah. mm, Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So potent. I'm so happy that we did this. I've been feeling for, you know, for the most part of when I've had this podcast, probably. Yeah. In the beginning when I was like, oh, I'm starting a podcast. I just like thought about, (laughs) and it's so cool because I was just like, oh my gosh, like all of my friends are just so incredible and like have so much that they're doing and creating and so much like good medicine to share. I was just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to reach out to all my friends and have conversations, share them. And that's what I love so much about doing this too. And I don't think I'm like, I see in the podcast world, it's like people have that kind of podcast persona or and I don't really connect to podcasts that are like that either or interviews that are like that where the person feels like they're kind of too structured or something I just really like it to be a casual like 
fun conversation, just a natural conversation, like you would with like one of your girlfriends. It's like, well, that's what we're doing anyway. And then we just. I know it is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, we've been like catching up every now and then, but like we haven't really dived deep into like a a full unravel of everything. And and so it's basically just a bunch of people listening to one of our probably personal unraveling conversations minus a few things, but yeah, yeah. it's a <laughs> way that you share that. I, I love that so much about your podcasts too, because it is just a really elegantly beautiful flowing conversation between two friends mm-hmm. and and also I think unplanned that's- too. Like I never plan anything because if I, th- I feel like if I plan questions and stuff, then I lose the moment, you know, yeah. then, I, then I'm not totally listening also. And yeah, yeah. I've, I've learned that a lot through like, it's so funny because I've been studying counseling and that's just like one of the main skills too is, is that active listening. And it all like ties in so much because I feel like if you're, if you're thinking about what to say next, and this goes to, to general life too, if, you, if you're worried about what you're going to say next, instead of just being really present and actively like considering and listening to everything the, the person in front of you is saying, then you, yeah, then you like just mm. are able to connect so much more deeply and, and the questions arise or if the silence comes and the silence comes and, um, yeah, not feeling that pressure to have to, to fill that or to be too structured or planned. It's like trusting, trusting that to arise in its time. And I guess that, mm. that bleeds out into just general life too, like trusting the timing and trusting the opportunities and, yeah, the connections, not having to like pressure anything really because if it's too pressured, then it, it's probably not real or right for you yeah authentic flow yes (laughs) really powerful and beautiful yeah well thank you again so much uh yeah i'm excited for people to receive this and you i don't think i've heard any other interviews with you before have you done no not really i've never done a podcast before (laughs) Popped your podcast, Cherry. You popped my <laughs> podcast, Cherry. You did. I'm so excited. I yeah, I I'm really grateful to have done this with you. I think it is beautiful. It's nice for people to, you know, be able to hear, I think, your voice and the emotions that come with it and like everything as well. So yeah, it's exciting. I really don't I I really don't do that many interviews either. I feel like I kind of just neglect them because I people always ask you the same questions um, and they don't really like to go outside the norm. So I knew that doing this with you would be really beautiful because you're just going to ask me questions that like challenge that, that are challenging for some people to answer or ask. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I'm not afraid to answer them. So (laughs) hello. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yeah. Potent. Thank you. Mm-hmm.